The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You've found Destination Love with Shelley Pumphrey. This is not a program about becoming the perfect date or how to get that special someone you've been admiring to notice you. Instead, we'll bring you the science behind how to find love and show how being your true self generally works best. Now, here's your host, Shelley Pumphrey. Hello, everybody. This is Shelley Pumphrey, and I thank you so much for joining me today with Destination Love. I am so very excited to um, have our second show here today uh, because we're really going to dive into some really important information. And um, I've also got a guest coming on here right after our first break uh, that we will have talking a little bit about uh, one of the love styles that uh, we'll be going into today. So let me just start with giving a little bit of an overview. For anybody that listened into the show last week, I gave a, a little bit of an introduction to what I call the love styles. And basically what the love styles are, are um, my concept of what is based on something called adult attachment. And um, I don't want to overwhelm you with what that means. And we're going to break it down and make it really simple to understand. Um, but the reason that I am going to be talking about this a lot in Destination Love is because it is probably one of the most important concepts for people to understand as they navigate the dating world and navigate just any kind of relationships, whether you're dating or you've been married for 50 years. Um, this is science. It's a way that our, it's about how our brains are wired. And a lot of this information um, I, my hope is that this information will help you understand why you do the things you do when you're dating or in love with somebody. Um, there's a lot of behaviors that we're going to talk about, especially today in, in the show later with the guests, that are often pathologized and, and people often look like they're crazy um, or get kind of a bad rap in the world because of some of these behaviors that are actually explained by our love style. So I want to... Um, really dive into this today. And my hope is that you'll get some aha moments out of this and have some understanding about why you might do the things that you do or why you've had partners that do the things that they've done in the past um, so that you can go forward and try to have some more compatible or healthy relationships. So let's get started. And I I do want to say this is going to, I'm going to talk about these love styles throughout the entire Destination Love series. Um, But the next few um, episodes are going to be dedicated completely to the love styles and helping you understand what each one looks like. So we'll have uh, different guests come on each week that will um, talk about what it is to live with each specific love style. And we'll, we'll get into what those are here in just a minute. So let's talk about what the love styles are and what exactly is this thing called attachment. So as you know, I'm a therapist. I've been in the field for over 20 years. And a lot of the work that I've done is with what we call attachment. Attachment is a psychological um, 
theory. I don't even know if it's necessarily a theory anymore, but um, it's a psychological dynamic that describes the bond between a child and their parent or main caregiver. It starts at birth, but it sets the foundation for all of our adult relationships and not just our romantic relationships, but our friendships, relationships we have with coworkers, our relationships with our children. So those first few formative years are very, very significant in how we're going to go out and interact with other people in the rest of our lives. So essentially, and I'm going to really try to make this simple so I don't bore you to death with it. What happens is in those first few years, let's say a baby has a need and let's say the baby's hungry and they start to cry and mom comes feeds the baby and the baby realizes in that very, you know, limited interaction that I have a need, I can trust that I can express that need to someone and that person can come back and meet my needs. When that is is uh, duplicated again and again and again throughout those years, it forms this understanding of whether or not a person can rely on another human being um, to trust or to be taken care of in some way. So this, that's essentially how attachment starts. And the reason that we are that way as infants is really just to help us survive as, as a species, as human beings. So if you think about back in the caveman days, uh, we, as, um, you know, as human beings, we had to survive in pretty drastic, um, sometimes very dangerous, undependable, unpredictable conditions. So it was safer for us to learn how to connect with, you know, the tribe of people that we were around. Um, so our brains became wired to help us know how to do that. You know, an infant child needs to know that they can um, depend on a parent to take care of them in conditions like that. Or it might be that um, at some point it was too dangerous for a human to rely on other people other people. And so they learned that it was actually safer to go out and rely on themselves only. So they might have developed a different kind of attachment style. So that's just a tiny bit of background on why we have attachment um, and the purpose of it. And I really want you to understand that it is very, very biological. It is very much a part of how our brains and our bodies are wired to connect with people. This is not something that we think about and make it happen. It's something that happens um, without us thinking about it. It's very automatic and innate. So um, the reason I want to help people understand this, like I said earlier, is that I want to help you not I want to help you understand why these behaviors, that come out of attachment are not really about us being crazy or messed up or unhealthy kind of people. It's really because we're wired to do this kind of stuff. So what does attachment teach us? Attachment teaches us that it's okay to need other people. Like we, especially in America, we have this idea that you shouldn't be needy. You should learn how to love yourself, rely on yourself, be really strong and independent. And if you can do that, then you can find a healthy relationship. And this, this concept of attachment 100% challenges that notion. I honestly can't stand that notion because I think it's it, it's based in, you know, last few decades of, of some parenting stuff that came out that taught us that, um, but it's actually very inaccurate. We do need other people. We do need to be dependent on other people. And in fact, research shows us that 
Um, when we are connected to a partner, our blood pressure goes down, our heart rate is regulated, our hormones are regulated, and we, when we are feeling disconnected or we're on our own, those things um, can be a little bit out of whack or um, evidence even shows that people don't live as long if they're not in healthy connected relationships. So there's actually physical evidence that shows that it's better for us to need each other. And um, so I want you to start challenging this idea as we go through these shows that um, you don't necessarily have to be this strong, independent person that doesn't rely on others. Um, And there are some attachment styles that have that feeling more strongly than others, and we'll talk about that too. But just in general, I want you to have that concept in your mind. So what I want to do is I want to kind of explain to you just kind of a brief um, picture of what I call the love styles and what um, what this looks like. So if you can visualize a spectrum. So on the spectrum, we've got four different love styles. So right smack dab in the middle of the spectrum is what I call the love stabilizer. And a love stabilizer is based on what we call the... Um, secure attachment. So this is somebody who, as a child, their needs were met very consistently, Um, their parents were nurturing, and were there most of the time. This person learned that it's okay to trust other people. It's okay to be dependent on other people, and it actually makes me feel really good. So these people go out into their adult relationships, and they don't typically struggle with intimacy. They're usually the people who are in longer-term committed relationships, They do a lot better uh, job with communicating with partners and just being able to openly communicate their needs. And it doesn't mean that these people are perfect at relationships or that they don't get their knee or their hearts broken, but they do a lot better at connecting with humans. So that's kind of um, the middle of the spectrum. So on another side of the spectrum is what I call the love resistor. So what a love resistor is, is this is based on what we also call an avoidant attachment in the world of psychology. So a love resistor is somebody that as a child, they learned that it was not okay to reach out and trust my caregiver or my parent. Often these are situations where a parent is not available to take care of a kid's needs very often, if at all. And if they do, they might be angry at them. They might push them away. They might be irritated. So essentially this child learns over and over again that it's not okay to have my needs. It's not okay to trust other people. So I'm going to withdraw and I'm going to just trust myself. So as adults, the love resistor goes out into their adult relationships, and whenever there's a hint of intimacy, they freeze up. They don't know what to do. They find ways to push away from intimacy and and commitment, and they generally these are people who either struggle with maintaining longer-term relationships because they tend to sabotage them when things get close, or they're people who just very much enjoy being single or independent and they really like the freedom of it and they're quite okay with their lifestyle and they don't really see a reason why they would need to have a long-term relationship. So um, it doesn't mean that you're miserable and unhappy with this type of style. It means that you, I mean, some people can be and could be wondering why they're like this, but a lot of people are just quite okay with it and that's how they live their lives. So let's switch over here to the other side of the spectrum. 
On the other side, we have what I call the love connector. And this is what's based on um, an anxious attachment. So an anxious, anxiously attached person often feels a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress in their relationships. This is the child who um, was raised with a parent who was sometimes really wonderful, great at meeting their needs, very consistent, and then sometimes horrible at meeting needs. So there was a lot of inconsistent messages there. And what this teaches is that um, there's just constant anxiety about, am I going to get my needs met? This person goes into adulthood and really craves a lot of intimacy and connection. Usually they're people who move uh, very quickly into relationships. And I always say they fall fast and deep. Um, They can, if, if they're with a partner who will let them fall fast and deep, or they may fall fast and deep without the partner returning those feelings. Um, And they can struggle a lot because these people often come off as, um, Maybe they seem more needy or more clingy um, in a relationship, um, but they also have a lot of love to give. They're also people who are very much into um, the depth of relationships and very much into intimacy. Um, These people can also have some behaviors that uh, when they feel like a partner is pulling away from them, they can do things like pull away, try to make you jealous, play some games um, to try to bring a partner back in. And we'll talk more about that here later today with our guest. Um, But love connectors can really struggle with a lot of anxiety um, and get very preoccupied with the thoughts of their partners. So uh, I know I'm kind of brushing over these really quickly. I hope this is making sense. And if it doesn't, if you continue to listen through our shows, um, you're going to get really clear on what these all mean to you. So the fourth um, love style is what I call the love paralyzer. And this one is actually, the statistics say that only about 5% of the population have this. And a lot of people tend to say, oh, that's me, that's me. And I would say, well, if you have questions about whether this is you, I would I would investigate it further or you can always shoot me an email, find me on Facebook, something and ask me more about it. But this is a tough one. So the love paralyzer, I kind of put in the middle of the spectrum. And what happens is love paralyzers get the best of both worlds with the love resistor and the love connector. So they feel moments of intense anxiety and a desire to be close to a partner, but they also can have those moments of avoidance where they kind of freeze and they don't know what to do when they get um, connected to a partner or things become more intimate. Um, Sometimes these people just kind of like the reason I call them paralyzers is because they can stay in a paralyzed state when it comes to moving forward. They may not even want to date or if they do date, um, every time things start to get close, they could kind of go into that avoidant state where they pull away from people. Um, so this is kind of a tough one. Um, these people often um, end up, uh, well, as let me go back. As children, love paralyzers often are in an environment where there's a lot of chaos or might be some neglect. Um, a parent might actually have some trauma in their history where they're having a really hard time relating to their kids' needs. Um, There's just a lot of back and forth um, kind of relating to an infant um, when this kind of attachment style is developing. So um, these people definitely struggle with a lot of uh, commitment issues and just being able to know how to relax into intimacy. 
So that's kind of, um, those are the four love styles that we're going to be talking about. So today we're going to have a guest come on here in a few minutes. Um, her name is Amitza, and she's a client of mine who is a love connector. So we're going to dive in on the love connector style here today. Uh, next week, we're going to have somebody come on who is a love paralyzer. And then the week after that, we'll have a love res- resistor. So you're going to get a chance to have a very in-depth um look at what this actually looks like so that you can start to figure out um, what that looks like for you and and figure out what your love style is. I will mention that if you look on the page um, where uh, this Destination Love Program is playing, I do have a link where you can take a quiz that asks what your love style is so that you can be sure that um, you're you know what your love style is and you can use that information as we go through these programs. I will share quickly that I am a love connector and I had a a very big aha moment um, over the last few years when I realized how much that was playing into uh, my dating and relationships. And I'll I'll be sharing a little bit of my experiences here in um, a few minutes as well. And what I will say is for love connectors, these people, you guys often struggle the most when it comes to relationship. This seems to be where I have most of my clients uh, that come in and they don't know what to do with um, all of the anxiety that comes up. I mean, I know I've had times where I have had my mind just completely racing with thoughts about a partner and it could be somebody that I just met. And even though I have all these skills to try to turn off my brain and refocus, it's something that it is really difficult to control sometimes. It, you can learn how to manage it, but it's, it's hard to really shut it off. And that's, that's why I want you to understand that this is something that's incredibly instinctual, biological, and not something that's actually wrong with you. It's not that you're crazy. It's not that, um, you know, you're codependent or anything like that. It's that your brain is simply trying to keep you connected to somebody um, so that you can have a relationship. I mean, really instinctually um, so that our human as, as humans, we can survive. Um, but it gets a little hairy when we're in the online dating world and all the modern day kind of dating that we have, um, where I think we have a lot more opportunities to have our atta- attachment systems activated um, with anxiety or too much intimacy. There's just like opportunity all the time for us to get worked up and um, confused about what's going on with us. So, yes, so I'm very excited to share this stuff with you. Um, We are going to have Amitza Muscati here on in just a few uh, after the commercial break that we're about to go to. And we'll be talking more about the Love Connector love style. So uh, please stay tuned. And uh, if you want to check me out on Facebook, you can find me at Facebook. uh, Look up Authentic Date or Shelly Pumphrey. Um, And again, you can take that love style quiz here even while you're waiting for our commercial break and find out what your love style is. We'll see you in a few. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. 
This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you are interested in real estate in America's largest city or anywhere, be sure to listen for Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Although our focus is on Manhattan and other real estate markets in and around New York City, we'll have plenty of information that will help you successfully buy, sell, and close a transaction no matter where you are in the world. Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco can be heard every Tuesday at 9 a.m. in New York, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Destination Love. To reach Shelly Pumphrey or her guest today, call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Shelly at ShellyPumphrey.com. Now back to Destination Love. Hi, welcome back to Destination Love. This is your host, Shelly Pumphrey, and we are talking about the love styles here today. Um, For the last part of our show, I am going to have one of my favorite people in the world. I have a a guest who has also been a client of mine for a while. Her name is Amitza Muscati. She is a very brave woman for coming on the show and talking in a very vulnerable open space about her experience as a love connector. Um, So I just want to introduce you to her. She came to me, gosh, it was probably a year ago, maybe. Um, we started working together just in my coaching. She ended up coming to a retreat and I'll let her talk a little bit more about it. But um, she has done, she's done amazing work and has figured out how this love connector style works for her, how it was getting in the way of her relationships. And I want to give her an opportunity to share what she's experienced and what she's done. So Amitza, I am so happy to have you here today. Please tell us a little bit about you and and what brought you here today. Hi, Sally. Thank Hello. you so much for this opportunity to yeah. really bring uh, create a space for full self-expression here. I'm so grateful to you. You are one of my favorite people <laughs> as well, for the record. I uh, It was just about a little less than a year ago that I was online, you know, in a, in a place in my life, really realizing that what I was doing in relationships wasn't working. And, um, I found you (laughs) in, and I'm really grateful for this. I, you know, I'm, um, I'm a private two-year educational consultant. I travel around a lot. I have been, I raised in different faiths and, and cultures, and I'm really about connecting with the world through performance, acting, singing, dancing. And, I'm really proud of that. And I also got that, you know, there was things about what I was doing in my relationships that were keeping me from accessing the love and intimacy that I desired and wanted in my life. And um, I am excited to talk to you because what when things weren't working in my relationships and I was really experiencing a lot of pain, I came across the 10 subconscious patterns online and I realized <laughs> I posted something about self-sabotage and I was like it's me who's getting in my own way to love you know so wow um, yeah th- 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 thankfully 
um, through your master class and the retreat, um, I don't even recognize the person that you described anymore. You know, I was just wow. listening in before I called in and I'm like, wait, I used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and when it comes and when it comes up now, it's I'm aware of it. And that makes all the difference to take different action. Great. That's so I that's amazing to hear. Um, I'm just, just I'm so proud of you. That's great. So Amitza, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about what your relationships were like before you started doing this work and understanding your love style? Yes. Um, they were relationships were a place where I went to for validation. Uh attention, affection, and in seeking that out was met with anxiety, uh, insecurity, and preoccupation with, with what he thinks of me, what is he doing now, does he love me, does he not love me, am I good enough, or am I too much? Mm-hmm. And it just was really like a place where I kind of was tiptoeing around being myself and I got feedback from boyfriends at the time and exes just like how it was like walking on eggshells with me Mm -hmm. you know and and there was an element of shame and embarrassment that would come up I would doubt and question everything um someone you know would buy me a beautiful thing for my birthday or take me on this birthday cruise and I'm like oh no he doesn't I don't know is this maybe is this too much too soon it was always a lot of doubt and um just like if I was deserving and worthy of right. all of it, you know, mm-hmm. and it got really deep. And I realized I was like, this is not, it, it just, it was some, it was some place where I didn't always feel safe. And I'm like, isn't mm-hmm. that the point though? <laughs> so what's going on? <laughs> right. Um, right. <laughs> so I, so a lot of it, I mean, it sounds like you're talking a lot about how it, it ran really deep with this feeling of I'm not good enough. And that's, that's often something I hear with a lot of love connectors and they vacillate between I'm not good enough or I'm going to be too much for somebody. And it really Mm -hmm. seems to keep people in this place of hiding and not being authentic in their relationships. And um, I always say it's, you know, you, you play small with your partners because everything is about maintaining that connection, like your brain is wired to maintain a connection. So I'm going to do everything I can, like you said, to tiptoe around or to, you know, to, I always, um, my guest that I had on last time, we called it shape shifting. You, you shape shift in order to maintain the relationship, right? There's a lot of thinking and analyzing and figuring things out and like calculating the next move and, and all about like the risk. That I was that I was really clearly associating being vulnerable with, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how can I how can I show my feelings and love, but like, oh, no, 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 but not get hurt, and yeah. getting you know that 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 doesn't work because if you're always up in your head, you're not you're not opening up your heart. Right, right, yeah. And can you, one of the things that I want to help people understand is this anxiety that happens. Um, Like, Mm -hmm. can you just give us a little bit of a picture of what that feels like to you when you're dating somebody and that in this attachment related anxiety starts to come up? What does it look like or feel like? Well, um, 
l- luckily it comes up when it comes up now I hear it as chatter mm. and I and I and I take a step back and I stop and mm-hmm. I go wait a second hold on like thank you for sharing that's <laughs> that's the real that's the track that's it comes in often in the form of questions I go mm. well, what about this or what about that or maybe I should do this or maybe I should do that it's that speed or faster um it's those racing thoughts and um it, 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 it comes like so fast like a trigger, right? And so that's where we're working with you to really determine like what are, what's triggering that. If mm-hmm. when something like I would send a text message and not receive a response for hours, mm-hmm. I would take the silence and make it mean something about yes. me or about us. Right. Like that, un- that anxiety really comes from the negative thoughts that I was putting in that space of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And it was creating this whole world where I felt, you know, I was like becoming desperate and feeling ho- uh, hopeless and, and just like str- struggling that I was like, Oh, like, you know, I was just really suffering almost one-sidedly. Yeah. And I would, when I would finally open up and share or reach out, that anxiety also looked like texting and not hearing anything and then calling and then not hearing anything and realizing like, wait a second, this might only be going on for me. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and I can talk about it now because I really got, you know, that in owning my feelings and being authentic in my relationships and saying what I was feeling bravely the first time around or as soon as I can address it without being afraid of being judged or criticized or evaluated or essentially not showing my love for fear of being unloved. Mm-hmm. When I finally just came out with it and said what was I was feeling, it actually created a space for, for me to be real with other people. And then that anxiety would stop. You know, um, but it's great, but it took something. <laughs> it's yeah. something. It's, it's the alternative to, to feeling lost in your own head. Yeah. 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 That's a, that I love, um, how you explained that. That was excellent. And I know like for me, um, what I find, what I feel in myself is, um, I get that anxiety and especially after, I've had contact with a partner and let's say, so whether it's a text message, a phone call, or we've been together physically, you know, like seeing each other on a date or something, the minute that I end contact, especially if I've been around somebody, um, then all of a sudden my attachment system starts working if I'm with somebody who I don't feel secure with. So my mind will go into this crazy racing preoccupation and I can think about it all day long and it's hard to concentrate on other things. It's hard to, I mean, I can still, you know, function and and do my things during the day, but I'm, it, it pretty much consumes me the whole day. And the only time that it'll stop is when I get another text message or some form of contact from that partner. Um, And then I can be calm and settle down and all of a sudden I can go and function and then it can start again. Now, if I'm in a, in a relationship with somebody where I feel secure and I, and I'm not getting that attachment system activated, 
I don't feel that anxiety all the time. But especially in the beginning of a dating, like a new relationship where you're unsure about where things are, people really struggle with this. Like, I I really want to point this out that if you're going in and out of that anxiety, or, you know, one of the things I think people do too, is they go and check online, like, especially if you're on the online dating sites, you might constantly be going to see if the other person's been online, um, you know, like little things like that, or just checking your phone constantly. And it, it can be little things like that, that are, um, that should be, um, I don't want to necessarily say a red flag, but to let you know, it's an indication that you probably have the love style of being a love connector or an anxious attachment. It's like this, what's been coined or termed like analysis paralysis. Yes. So much, so much so that, you know, like you described Shelly, like when you got uh, another, when you received another communication, now suddenly, boom, you're back in action. And what I got was that, in getting stuck in thinking and thinking and, and worrying, I, I, was, I wasn't taking any action. And so what I've practiced since and noticing is like, okay, if I'm stuck in my head, that, that's actually not out here in the world. That's actually not happening. It's all in my head and it's not, you know, like, and it's my feelings and I can honor them, but really just like taking action and then also letting go, like letting right. go uh, and like trusting myself um, to, and not, exp- and like, it really expectations often expecting that, you know, like you just mentioned expectations of who's going to take care of me. Like, Oh, how much do I depend on you? I just, I'm just getting to know you. What do you provide to me? What do I provide to you? Like, um, and I, I realize that like, you know, it's so important now to, to, to counteract that and to really create, um, things in my life. Like, this morning I did yoga and meditation and I pray, you know, I'm, I'm someone who's yeah. raised in faith, whatever it takes to be calm and peaceful yes. and create stability and security in myself and my life that brings a presence and awareness to my day and to me so that I can be present for others and just, and, 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 and be really be fully there in the relationship and not yes. let, let the voice in my head or let yeah. the anxiety uh, run the show instead of me. Right. I love that. You know? that I think, um, yeah, that's really the key. And I think we might go into that uh, at the end of the show just to give some tips on how to manage this. Um, but you uh-huh. just kind of summed it up. Like it, it's really like learning how to be very grounded in your life and keeping your anxiety um, low. But the key the overall cure to this really is to find a partner that is securely attached or has that love stabilizer quality that you can be with so that your system is not getting activated all the time. So mm-hmm. that being said, one of the questions that I want to move into with you is, Have you? did you notice a certain type or like a certain pattern of partners that you were dating when you were really struggling with this? Uh, the alternative? <laughs> secure, consistent communication uh-huh. is painstaking. Yeah. And it's like moss to a flame. <laughs> yes. um, uh, unfortunately, in this case, I, I've been the moth chasing the flame. And, and sometimes <laughs> it's been vice versa with someone who would, I, as you mentioned before, I've, 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 I've also received... I, or been or talked to somebody who was more of a love connector that I really started uh-huh. to feel what it would be like to date me. Yes. Yes, totally. <laughs> um, I know that feeling I think too. For a reason. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was totally an experience as well. But um, to your to to speak to the men um, that I've been attracted to, it's often been up until recently. Um, I've opened up to uh, acknowledging what it's like to receive that constant communication. But previously, it was a lot of people, who, uh, men who would resist. Mm-hmm. You know, love or, resistors. Avoiders. Love resistor, yeah, an avoider, someone who, um, you know, there was, for me, the attraction came from an intrigue and a mystery in him, and ultimately, what's made me successful in traveling to, you know, 23 countries and 35 states and, and working on my own as, you know, self-employed and all that, that chase and that and hunt for achievement and success that comes in, you know, in the working world that works for me. I realized mm-hmm. that, well, when you try to hunt a man, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. work the same way. You know, right. you don't hunt one down totally. like that. Um, and right. when I brought that into my love life, it became a scary experience, I think, for the other person on the receiving end that got to be like, okay, I get that you, you want connection with me, but for him, and I'm saying him, but it's, you know, any, any, I just, any man that is in this, it has this kind of style, it's mm-hmm. like, he has a certain, what I learned is that there was certain tolerance or comfort with intimacy and attachment and consistent communication versus also a need for independence that just wasn't right or wrong. It was just different than mine, you know, and that's right. what wasn't working. Okay. So. And so I, one of the things I want to point out, I loved that you said it was like a moth to a flame and so one of the things that happens very often is that love connectors and love resistors come together like that moth to a flame, um, and they have completely opposing needs when it comes to intimacy and relationships. And so this is where a lot of love connectors come to me for help. They're like, I keep getting these men who, you know, like they're feeling like they're constantly anxious and preoccupied and, and they get relationships where people cheat on them or they're emotionally unavailable or they don't want to have a commitment or as soon as things get, uh, you know, to a nice stable place in their relationship, they find a way to break it up or sabotage it in some way. So, um, I, I really want to kind of highlight that a little bit here. So can we... Can you tell me like what um, we've just got a couple minutes till break. So we'll just kind of maybe start on this. So some of the characteristics you've seen in these love resistors that you've dated. And if you don't Um, know, I can, I can even point out what some of them might be. Well, like I would share my feelings and not, you know, either via text or on a phone call. And perhaps there was, of resistance or, or, or in insecurity in how to respond mm-hmm. to that, to that emotion. And so instead of recognizing that that was what was going on on his end, on my end, I would, it would make me feel, I would make it mean like, wow, like what's wrong with me that like, that you can't, right. that you can't handle me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, potentially if I would notice or want to share something like, Oh, you know, I re- I noticed that you didn't, or you said you were going to text me and you didn't, or like, you called or I would notice something in the communication, something that he didn't follow through on his word on something, he would get defensive. Mm-hmm. And it was, yes. it was like, I'm like, it's not pointing it out to make you wrong or blame. This is not the blame game, but this is just to like get clear with one another, you know, to create a space where yeah. we can be safe to share what we, to share what, you know, 
what we're actually feeling and just be like, okay, it's working, it's not working. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't feel like I was winning <laughs> with those guys, honestly, I realized I would end up fixating on the guys that didn't give me that consistent attention. And, and, and you know, it was like, it was ne- then it was never enough for me. And I got stuck in a story and a suffering of, of the drama, of the yeah. drama of relationships instead of the, instead of like just the joy and the love of, of the comfort and security of one instead. Okay. Yeah, that's excellent. And you just pointed out two of the two really important characteristics of love resistors. And one is they have a really hard time communicating and can often avoid conflict with defensiveness or just kind of getting away from what the topic of the conversation really is. Um, and then just, you know, there's other things like mixed messages, um, making you feel bad about being needy or needing to connect lots of things like that. So we're going to, um, we're going to stop here for a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about what it's like to date love resistors and a little bit more about the love connector style. And, uh, thank you again, Miss Amitza for uh, being here and joining us for this. So, Uh, If you want to check out more, you can follow us, follow me on Facebook or check out my website at ShellyPumphrey.com. Again, that's Shelly with a C-H-E-L-L-I. And we'll be back in a few. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com listening to Destination Love. To reach Shelley Pumphrey or her guest today, call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Shelley at ShellyPumphrey.com. Now back to Destination Love. Welcome back to Destination Love. This is Shelly Pumphrey, your host, and we are here interviewing Amitza Muscati, um, a love connector and uh, one of my clients. She is very bravely sharing with us about what it's been like to date uh, what we call the love resistor or otherwise known as an avoidant attachment uh, person. So before the break, we were talking, Amitza started to go into what it was like for her to date this kind of person who seems to really avoid intimacy and 
and connection. So Amitza, um, one of the things I wanted to go into just kind of to go a little bit more in depth on this question of what that was like for you is love connectors often engage in something that we call activating strategies. And what an activating strategy is, is that your brain is basically, as your brain is wired to connect to a partner, it's going to do everything it can to make sure you maintain that connection. So some of the things that happen, um, and I always like to say, it's like your brain's playing tricks on you. It's not always rational when this happens. So you might put partners up on a pedestal, even though they don't deserve to be on a pedestal. Um, you mm-hmm. might put up with a lot of um, poor or even like people get caught up in really abusive relationships um, who are love connectors because they're willing to put this partner up on a pedestal and forgive them for everything that they're doing um, just to maintain the, con- the connection there. Um, they also get into a lot of what I call scarcity thinking where um, they start saying, he's the only one, there's nobody else out there for me, I don't want to be in the dating world, like all these excuses to not leave this relationship, no matter how bad it is. So can you talk a little bit about that and whether you've ever had any experiences with these activating strategies? <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all of the above. Yes, I will agree. Um, I'm there too, girl. <laughs> I, I, what I'm present to in that description is how love showed up and and falling in love and being in a relationship really um, has always um, occurred to me as such an investment, mm-hmm. right? In my time, in my energy, in you know, in, in, in money, in, in mental capacity, like I, like all, a lot of this, putting a lot of, 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 of work into it and making it work. And I realized that those activating strategies make a relationship feel like work when it doesn't have to be, it can be easy and fun and safe. Um, and obviously you take communication and all these, uh, you know, uh, basic, uh, basic principles, but I definitely have, um, been someone who found myself tolerating and putting up with um, a lot of criticism and blame in a previous relationship. It's something that became verbally abusive and mm-hmm. um, just because I, I, I noticed that it, I would really like, it comes from, I don't want to lose. Like I really wanted to make it, make something work because of that investment. And I would in, in someone who, I pride myself in being loyal and devoted and I, and also I don't like, you know, I don't want to give up. Um, I would really hold on to something that without taking proper steps to address it and, and change it and be real about it. And then sometimes realizing that the best choice is, is to, to create some space or step away or end it, you know, to take care of myself. So I would often put myself at risk emotionally for making something work and it takes two. Yes. Teamwork. So if a, if a guy was up for that, then yeah, we would make progress. But um, oftentimes poor behavior, not changing um, or going like, well, it's your fault and your fault, throwing around blame and, and, and no willingness to open up, transform, change and work together to create something between the two of us. When, when, when that's not there, it does become like, you know, I'm, I'm, I might be in a relationship, but really, you know, I'm working at it alone. Right. Right. Yeah, I think um, 
you explain it very well. And I, I want to point out too that people can get caught up, like can get caught up in these crazy relationships for a long time because whenever you try to detach from a partner, if you're a love connector, these activating strategies will um, try to pull you back in. And it, it's, mm-hmm. you know, how you can have those, those relationships that are on again, off again for months, if not years with people, even though it's really unhealthy. So um, it's important for people to recognize um, how this plays out. So I want to move on to our next question, because this one I think is a really big one that I want people to understand, because this is the, this is the stuff that makes people think that love connectors are crazy. Um, or that love connectors start to feel crazy themselves. And I want this is the part that I want people to understand that this is part of your brain being a brain and just being very instinctual and trying to keep us alive as humans. So I want to talk about this thing called protest behavior. So what protest behavior is, is another thing that love connectors engage in. And basically what happens is when your needs are not being met by a partner and you start to feel um, unsettled and anxious, you can go into overdrive. And overdrive looks like (laughs) pulling away from a partner when really what you need is um, for them to come in and hold you and comfort and, and reconnect with you. But you might do crazy things like try to be really dramatic. You might threaten to break up or run out the door and say, I'm leaving. I'm never coming back when you're secretly hoping that your partner chases after you. Um, it could be that you just shut down and withdraw. You may not send text messages. Uh, let's say your partner took five hours to text you. So you wait 10 hours to text back. Um, you try to make them jealous. Like it can be a lot of things like that. And it can look really crazy sometimes. Sometimes it's just little things. But um, tell us about protest behavior, Mitsa. Have you ever engaged in any of this? <laughs> it just all sounds like a game. Uh huh. You know, totally. but I mean, if you're going to play a game, at least have fun. Right. <laughs> and, right. Uh, and, and this part, this part of the game, uh, it can, is this part of the game can be, can, you know, can be, uh, a love hate, right? This part of the game can be fun in the chase. And yes, I have engaged in protest behavior. And what I realized in listening to what we were just talking about with excavating strategies and pro- uh, protest behavior is that attention is attention is attention. And sometimes whether it was negative or positive, you know, I, rem- I remain engaged with, you know, with, with people are talking to someone and connected because it's fueling a need for that closeness. Right, and exactly. so pro- the way process behavior has looked like for me is that, um, you know, I would, I would, se- I would send a text message and, and be clear and be like, hey, it's been a while since I've heard from you. And then, or, you know, and say like, oh, I miss you. Or I'd say something like that. And I'd get a text back pretty soon. I was like, ah, oh, yes, I got the text back. And then mm-hmm. I wouldn't text back again. And I would be like, What's, wait, hold on. You just yeah. got, you just yeah, there was a silence that I broke by, by reaching out first, in, mm-hmm. you know, because I was playing this waiting game, again, playing the game, um, right. knowing that you, there, this is a, a game where you're putting yourself out at risk to get kind of get hurt. And just con- even considering it a game was the problem because now I got this response back. And now instead of acknowledging and going, okay, cool, like, yay, you responded to me because I'm, protest behavior is sort of like, whoa, hold on now. 
am I really safe? I just got a, I just got wind that this was risky and I put out some feelers by share, by texting you and now you texted me back. But now right. that I know I have your attention, I'm just going to wait a little bit now just so that I can still be in control mm-hmm. and that I can still, you know, I can still feel like I'm not crazy. <laughs> like, like I know what's going on here. Um, but it, it, it can be confusing and, yeah. and, and that's not a fun game to play. Right. You know, and it takes vulnerability and courage to say, hey, look, like, I just hadn't heard from you for several hours. And, I, you know, I, I wanted to talk to you or can we can we text during the day or actually asking for what I need? And that's something that, you know, I get afraid of. I get I, I'm a sensitive person. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. I get afraid of being told otherwise. <laughs> right. Like, no, right. I can't, you know, so. Yeah. And I like what you said that, um, you know, one of the things I always tell people who are love connectors is what you just said. You have to ask for what you need and you have to trust that a person with a compatible love style that isn't going to be afraid by afraid of your needs is going to meet your needs. Uh, they're they're going to say, okay, I could, how often do you want me to text? Do you, are you the kind of person that wants to text throughout the day? Like, is it okay if we just have a phone call every night? Like, they can have that conversation and be very okay with meeting your needs. But if you're dating a love resistor and you ask for your needs to be met, you're probably, first of all, engaging in some of this protest behavior in the first place because you're feeling the anxiety of, you know, whatever their vibes they're given off. But then, um, you know, they may not meet those needs or they might say, sure, I'll text you. And then they don't. So you get the mixed messages. Um, so it's uh-huh. really important to know that it's okay to be authentic. It's okay to ask for what you need with this kind of stuff. So um, I'm, I'm really glad that you shared that. I, You know, again, this protest behavior is huge. And when people can figure out that they're going into it, um, they can make a lot of differences in their relationships because it, it, this is the stuff that can ruin relationships is when you don't recognize it as protest behavior, you let it take control of you and you hurt your partner or you hurt yourself in the process. Um, you know, I always, I can always tell when I'm going to that place because I'm very aware of this now. And I, I know like there's a tipping point. Like I know my anxiety is building, building, building. And if I don't have some kind of distraction or contact with my partner, um, I'm going to go over that tipping point and go into the protest behavior. And, you know, I definitely know ways to manage it and can share that with people, you know, as we go through this, but um, it's just key to understand that. So, we, I feel like we could talk about this for so many episodes because there's so much. Like I, we are just barely scratching the surface, but we're we're almost to the end of the show here. I want to end with just a few little tips for love connectors. If you're listening, um, the first thing that I just said is learn to be authentic and ask for your needs to be met with a partner. Um, and primarily, the number one thing is to learn about your attachment style, learn about your love style. If you are being hijacked by all of these behaviors and emotions that your brain is kind of putting out there for you, it can really make um, it difficult to find a long-term, healthy, committed relationship if that's what you're searching for. So understand your love style. Don't feel guilty for being needy or dependent because that's the way your brain is wired. 
and learn how to spot love resistors because that style does not work together. You don't want to date people who are love resistors. And we'll talk more about that in next week's episode as I have a guest come on um, who is a love paralyzer. But that'll also give us a ton of information about the love resistors. They have those qualities as well. So, Amitza, I want to thank you so much for today. Um, You've been wonderful and brave and vulnerable. And I want to thank all of you listeners for sticking with us here today. Join us next week at Destination Love. And if you want to join me on uh, my website, it's uh, ShellyPumphrey.com. Or you can reach me on Facebook at Authentic Date. Thank you and have a fabulous day. Thanks, Amitza. for making a weekly visit to Destination Love. Please join Shelley Pumphrey again next Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be brave, be you, be loved.